Amen. Please be seated. Um, we are really blessed to have our founding pastor, Pastor Peter, coming to share God's Word with us today. Can you make Peter feel really welcome as he comes to share with us now? Thanks, Nath, and uh, thanks, church. It's nice to be here this morning uh, to share God's good Word with you. This is number four in our series. So this is the end of this little section. We under, there's another part coming, I think, later in the year, um, Nathan, but um, this is the end of this little part of the series, and it's prevailing prayer. Uh, that's the one that uh, we have this morning. In Tim Keller's book on prayer, he made this statement. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. We must learn to pray we have to. Now, is prayer really that important? Is it? That's the question. Is it really that important? The key to everything we need to do and be in life. Is that what you think this morning? Is that what you practice this morning? What, what you believe about prayer has a lot to do whether you will pray or not pray. Um, and if you do pray, what you will pray and how much you will pray and certainly whether you will prevail in prayer. There's a slide that comes up. I don't know if you ever noticed this particular slide that comes up. If you can put the, um, hopefully it'll be on the screen. This pops up in our pre-service slides. Have you seen that one before? Maybe you've never ever noticed it before. Now, is that true for us or not? Prayer is the most important ministry of the church or is that one of those sort of motherhood statements that sort of makes us feel warm and fuzzy as we come into church? Oh yes, prayer, that's a good thing to do. Um, or is it true, really true? Is that what we believe in this church, that prayer is the most important ministry here? Well, we try not to be hypocritical here. Did you know that? It's up there for a reason because that's what we believe as the leaders of this church and a whole lot of other people, that prayer is really, really important. We're with Tim Keller on this particular issue or maybe he's with us, so I don't know, yeah. And so this morning, I pray we're both with Jesus, so that's probably what I would should say. And so this morning, I want to briefly share from God's Word why we believe prayer is of enormous significance and it's incredibly powerful. Now, there are many, many aspects to prayer. We could have a 10-year series on prayer, actually, but um, we've got a half an hour this morning. So our series is Your Kingdom Come. So we're going to focus on the intercessory dimension of prayer, the prayer that asks God to change things in us and in our world. Now, in week one of this series, you can think back that far, Pastor Nathan emphasised the trustworthiness of the biblical records so we can trust these, them. So we're going to turn to one right now, Exodus 17. That's where we're going. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to open there. The events that are recorded there took place not long after God had liberated the Israelites from Egypt. As they journeyed to the promised land, there was a Bedouin people um, known as the Amalekites who were um, harassing stragglers in the big column and causing lots of problems. And then they came out in force to attack the Israelites. And so Moses, the leader, sent off General Joshua to deal with the threat. Now, that's a pretty sensible approach. If you've got a general there, send him out if there's an army coming to attack you. When you need some action, send out an action person and get the job done. But then 
Moses announces a second prong to the strategy of dealing with the enemy. He would go up to the top of the hill that overlooked where the battle would take place and he would stand with the staff of God in his hands. Now, what's Moses the old guy up to? That's the question we're asking him. What's, what's he got in mind here? Well, you get a pretty good idea if you look back just um, a few chapters to chapter 9 and verse 23 and 29 where Moses is confronting Pharaoh. And this is what we read. When Moses stretched out his staff... Toward the sky, the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground. So the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. And then in verse 29, when Pharaoh wanted God to relent, Moses says, when I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop. And there'll be no more house, so you may know that the earth is the Lord's. The staff raised in Moses' hands was about appealing to God for help, asking for the power of God to be released. Moses was going up onto the hill to intercede for the troops on the plain below. And as they fought, he would appeal to God to grant victory over the enemy that was coming to attack them. But there was a problem. There often is. There was a problem. How long can you hold your hands up in the air for? How long can you? Come on. If you stuck them up now, I bet you'd be about, you know, two or three minutes and they will be flagging around here. Well, that's the problem that um, Moses faced um, because this was a longer than a five-minute battle. It was a long one. And the trouble was that Moses, Moses noticed that when his hands came back down by his sides... So um, rather, rather than up in appeal to God, that the battle started to go against General Joshua and the troops. Let me read Exodus 17, 11. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and her held his hands up. Good that he had them there. One on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Long time. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army. What really strikes me about this particular story in the Scriptures is that it so dramatically reveals the effect of prayer. There's no mistaking how powerful it is. When Moses is in the posture of crying out to God for help on the hill, down on the plain, victory's being won. But when he wearies, when he grows tired, he doesn't go to sleep, but he gets weary. So too does the strength of Joshua's troops. There is something very, very important happening between Moses and God on the hilltop, which was impacting the outcomes of that day on planet earth. Now I know this sounds very, very simple. I understand that. But there's an underlying foundational belief we need to have about prayer and that is that prayer really does make a difference. That's, you've got to get that in your heart, folks, if you're going to be praying people. In C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, 
And if you know about that book, it's a book that has a senior devil instructing a junior devil about how to pull down Christians, how to wreck their lives. That's what the whole book's about. And all the tactics that you know, are used by the evil one. Well, one of them is to undermine the place of prayer in a Christian. Listen to this from Screw Tape Letters. Senior devil to junior devil. Worry him with the haunting suspicion that the practice is absurd and can have no objective result. Don't forget to use the heads, I win, tails, you lose argument. If the thing he prays for doesn't happen, then that is one more proof that petitionary prayer doesn't work. If it does happen, he will of course be able to see some of the physical causes which led up to it and therefore it would have happened anyway and thus granted prayer becomes just as good a proof as a denied prayer that prayers are ineffective. Heads or tails, prayer's absurd, doesn't have any effect. Sound familiar? Have you ever heard that whisper? Have you ever heard that whisper? Despite whatever prayers you have prayed that weren't answered as you thought they should be or whatever prayers you prayed that were answered and you wondered if, you know, if my prayer had anything much to do with that. Well, on the basis of this one biblical account, let alone a Bible full of them, we believe in this church. Hear this. We believe in this church that appealing to God, interceding on behalf of others in the heavenly court, it releases heavenly power to affect real change in the tangible world. That's what we believe here. We believe history is affected through our prayers. That's a big statement, isn't it? History affected through our prayers. History in our lives, history in our families, history in those for whom we pray, history in this church, history in our nation, history in our world as we pray. Our prayers have a direct influence on what God does or does not do because... Now, you're all really listening now, aren't you? Yeah, because this is the way God has himself structured reality, how he has chosen to exercise his will in his world. Now, some of you may have been thinking, it's okay to point out an example like, you know, of prayer being effective in someone like Moses. Red Sea divider. Man a man. Um, face shiner, you know, poo, big, big things. Whoa, he's in one of the big leagues. Well, to be honest, he is a big league prayer. That's true. I'll give him that. Great prayers, great relationship with God. That's all true. But today I, I want to remind you of the, the meta story of our world and what that means for all of us who are now in Christ. And if you're not in Christ here this morning, I pray that you will soon come to be in Christ. Christ. So listen in. You'll be ready when you do put your faith and trust in Him. So listen in. And how this helps us to understand the importance of prayer in our lives and, and this church. This is the meta story. So this is it. You ready? God's original plan in making humanity, humanity in His image was for men and women to what? 
to co-rule with him on planet earth. That's why we were placed here. That's why he made us in his very image. So God created mankind, Genesis 1, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue, as in the NIV or in the NLT, it says, or govern it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God made us so that we could partner with him in in caring for and managing his world. Now, very sadly, very, very sadly, this wonderful partnership was broken through the fall when humanity rebelled against God. And then we forfeited our role as co-managers of God's creation. And it brought terrible consequences for us and for all of creation. The fellowship, the, the communication between God and humanity, it was fractured and we came under the tyrannical rule of Satan, the destroyer, the tempter, the prince of darkness. Paul gives us a description of this condition in Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. As for you, you are dead. You are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit, this is about Satan, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So we still carry the image and the authority of a perfect and loving God, but it was terribly, terribly marred. And our sin meant that we were now dead in our relationship. We were dead to any friendship with God, any partnership with God. But God, don't you love those words in the Bible? They appear in a few places. They're ripper words. But God, but God in his great love and kindness for we who had become his enemies in effect, he sends his one and only son to restore what had been lost. And through his sacrificial death on the cross, he, he dealt with our sin. And he opened the way to renewed fellowship with God, restoration of fellowship and liberated us from the oppressive, tyrannical rule of Satan over us. Listen, Paul again, for he has rescued us, Colossians 1, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, the dominion of the rule of darkness, the reign of darkness, the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus wins back the relationship that we had that we once had with God. He repairs the communication breach and we're able to take up our original calling to partner with God in, in, ruling, in ruling on planet Earth. Now, how are you going on the meta story? Have you hung in there? I hope no one's gone to sleep, especially you onlineers, because no one can see you. I know that. So we, we love you here. So just hang in there. Now, I want to make something clear at this particular moment. You're right. This is important. Jesus did not come to planet Earth to get back God's authority. God has always and will forever reign supreme over all things. That's our God. He's always reigned, will always reign. Jesus came to get back our authority. That's what he came to get back, our authority. So that we could once again partner with God in his kingdom plans on planet Earth. Listen, 
to Paul, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And the access that Jesus the Son has, has always had with the Father, He has now made that available to us so that we can now go directly into God's presence and ask in Jesus' name for all that's needed as we partner with God in His kingdom work. Asking for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Receiving instructions about what He wants us to do. Interceding on behalf of others. Asking for the empowering of the Holy Spirit to make Christ known and to provide the strength and courage to sacrificially love our world and and more. And so our prayers and our obedience to His Word will be used by God. Get this. If you're in Christ, this is, this is our calling, folks. We'll be used by God to see Satan's already defeated forces because Jesus beat them at the cross, overcame them. And we will see those forces defeated and God's rule increasingly filling the earth just as it fills heaven. And we too, of course, are waiting with huge expectation for the return of Jesus to planet Earth when the fullness of God's reign will be made evident to the whole world. Now, when you realise that our lives as Christians are about ruling in partnership with God, a ruling which Jesus showed is expressed as we saw in week two, in sacrificially serving others. That's how, you, that's how you rule on planet Earth, in partnership with God. It's in humility. It's in serving others. That's what it looks like, this partnership with God. Then praying, communicating with the king of the kingdom is obviously of critical importance, is it not? If we're in partnership with God. Philip Yancey um, says, says it this way. Of all the means God could have used, prayer seems the weakest, slipperiest and easiest to ignore. So it is unless Jesus was right in that most baffling claim. He went away for our sakes as a form of power sharing to invite us into direct communion with God and to give us a crucial role in the struggle against the forces of evil. That's, if you're in Christ, that's it, you see. That's the big story. And that's why prayer is so important to this church, folks. So important. It involves us deeply and responsibly in God's kingdom work. That's what prayer does. His work in us, his work in our community, his work in our nation and his work in the world. That's why we pray. Prayer is the most important ministry in this church because we believe prayer works. It's powerful. Things change on earth, earth when we pray. And that prayer is of critical importance because it's the way that we enter into our Jesus one Partnership with God and discern our part in His kingdom coming to fill the earth. 
It's no wonder that the Bible is absolutely full of instructions and commands, examples and encouragements to pray and, and to pray much and to pray humbly and to pray earnestly, to keep prevailing in prayer when prayer plays such an important part in God's kingdom plans. Do you believe prayer is that important? Do you? That's what we're asking this morning. This is so fundamental to our commitment to prayer. But I want to conclude um, this morning by looking at just one of the prayers in the Bible, which is helpful in understanding how to pray a kingdom come prayer. And to see what happens when we do pray kingdom come prayers. The prayer that I want to look at is found in Acts 4. And there we read of the occasion not long after Pentecost when Peter and John had been arrested for preaching about um, Jesus. It had followed an incredible miracle when a lame guy, born, born lame, 40 years old, was healed um, through the ministry of um, um, Peter and John in the name of Jesus. And the religious leaders, they were in a terrible bind at this particular moment because they didn't want any more preaching about Jesus. But the miracle was so spectacular that they had to let the apostles go. But they warned them, they threatened them, don't ever speak about the name of Jesus Christ again. That's what they said to them. Now, that's where we pick this up. And I'm going to read, read the whole of, this, whole of this prayer. Are you ready? Here it goes. Acts 4.23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. See, boom, straight there. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. It took them a while to get to the request. Did you notice that? Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, this is a, is a model for kingdom come praying. So I just want to examine this for a moment. It begins, first of all, with united agreement about what to do in the face of the threats that had been made. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. When others agree with how you should respond in a situation, it's a very significant point even in itself that you are praying according to God's will. Did you realise that? That's why the body is so important. When we agree together in spirit, we know that this is what God's wanting. This is what we should be praying for. They then address their prayer to God using a particular title. It's, it, here it's Sovereign Lord. Now, you know there's many names and addresses for God. This one is the use of a ruler with unchallengeable power, like total and complete power and authority. It's like a slave owner, absolute rights over over the slave or a, a despot. Like they're sort of negative views as we understand them, but but it's revealing the enormity of this power that God has. Unchallengeable power. 
And it's an authority. His authority is one that extends to every part of his creation. The one who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in it. They are getting their minds and they're getting their hearts, you see, filled with the greatness of the one to whom they are praying, as well as humbling themselves at the same time before this mighty God. But what about the power the governing council had? The power to hinder and challenge the forward momentum of God's kingdom. What about that power? Well, the prayers turn to a place in Scripture. This is why the Word of God, as we heard at number one, is so important as a foundation and understanding of how we should pray even. And in the Scripture on Psalm 2, they go there because there it's prophesied that people and powers would rise up in opposition to God. And they include it in their prayer. They actually pray the Scripture. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. This was such a helpful biblical insight for the fledgling church to know that the hostility that they were experiencing had been prophesied by the Holy Spirit, that they were actually in a place, a familiar place for those who belong to God on planet Earth. It's an expected place for those who belong to Jesus Christ. We are going to cop opposition. Just Know that. Just know it. It's not unusual. This is the world we're living in because we belong to Jesus. And knowing that is helpful. But what is especially comforting and inspiring to these believers is to know how fruitless all that sort of resistance will be. Their raging and threats, they are all in vain. The prophecy ends with the words... Anointed one. You spot that? And so that causes them. You know how when you're praying, one thing can lead to another and it causes them to reflect on what had so recently happened when Jesus, God's anointed son, was opposed by the unholy alliance which led to his death on a Roman cross. Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. See, the rulers and the power players of that particular era, they were hatching their murderous plot against Jesus. But the outcome of all their scheming was what? They ended up doing exactly what God was planning to do. Think about that. Verse 28, I'm not making this up. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. That is our God, folks. That's our God. He's supreme, all right, unchallengeable power. He always wins and will always win. And even when people and powers are getting excited about the brilliance of their schemes and plots to foil God's plan, All they are really doing is furthering God's holy purposes on planet Earth. Think about that. You think about that. This, you see, is what makes prayer so powerful because this is the God that we are praying to, folks. This is the God of our church. This is the God. This is why we worship as we've done this morning. 
Holy is His name above every other name. Because we're affirming the reality that our holy and mighty God is on His throne and He is sovereign over everything that's happening on planet Earth right this very moment of time. Isn't that a reassurance for us all? Yeah. And that's the truth. That's the reality. Mightn't look like that, but that's why we come here. Affirm that truth. This is why we read and study His Word. So we'll have a really firm grip on the prophecies and the promises and the truths that inform our prayers, that inform our lives and our service for God. This is why we pray with enormous faith. However grim things may seem around us because our God is a specialist in taking all the things which seem to be against us to bring blessing to us. Do you realise that? Incredible blessings to our lives and to His will. Just keep that in mind when you're looking around the world at the moment. You're looking around our very society and you feel so weighed down. Just keep in mind, God's got plans in all of this, mighty plans. He's at work in this nation of ours. Yeah. So with their, with, with, with their vision of God clarified and, and they themselves humble before the Lord, now they come. Now they come to present their requests. And they made three on this occasion. First, they asked that God would consider the threats of the ruling council. They'd been warned not to speak about Jesus. And, and these were real threats. These were real risks for them. We, we'll see that in the chapters actually that follow. If you read through Acts, there'll be future arrests, floggings, lives being taken. We see that. They were aware of the risks. They were aware of these risks. But they didn't ask for their opponents to be blasted, did they? Did you notice that? Blast them, God. Give them a shot from heaven. And they didn't even actually ask. They didn't even ask for these powers to be rendered powerless. Rather, they requested that God would note what was going on. That's a good kingdom prayer, folks. Just, just note, Lord, what's happening here. My situation in our world. God's got a note of everything. He's got a note of it. And trust in God to deal with things as he sees fit. This was not a pay them back power prayer, was it? <laughs> see what it's not as well as see what it is. In their second request, it's not a one to be kept safe. There are times to pray, um, Lord, Lord, protect and guard. I understand all that. But here, that is not what they focused on. Rather, they prayed that they would be made bold in face of those threats. And they'd be given power to keep on speaking the truth about Jesus. That's what they asked for. And their final request, again, was not curses on their oppressors, but rather for more miracles of mercy to be displayed amongst the people as they preach the good news. They ask for that to be done in the name of Jesus Christ. This is such a kingdom-centred prayer. There was a oneness in what to ask God for. There's no doubts about God's sovereignty and power, His rule and reign on, over planet Earth. There's no calls for revenge. There's no consideration of their own well-being. There's no power, no power seeking for their own glory. There's a only a heart for the name of who? Of Jesus Christ to be lifted high. And for them to have courage in their preaching about Jesus Christ. And they asked for these things, things to be done in the name of Jesus Christ, who we have been instructed and called to pray in. That's how that prayer went. It's a prayer all about God's kingdom, God's glory, and their deep desire to boldly 
obey the divine commission that they'd only been given a little while before by Jesus. Go into, go and make his name known in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And the ends of the earth have ended up in the land down under 2,000 years later. And aren't you glad? I sure am, I tell you. Wow. Powerful, powerful things take place when believers and churches pray like that. Did you know that? That's how we got pray, folks. It's a model of that. And on this particular occasion, there was a tangible sign that their prayers had been heard, that God was pleased and that he was pleased to answer them. Listen, verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Something tangible, physical from the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke, this is what they asked, and spoke the word of God boldly. Here is the blessing of kingdom praying on full display. Rather than fear and dread and worry and silence winning the day as the dark powers seek to stifle everything about the name of the one who's above every name, folks. That's what they're always on about, stifling that. Here we find men and women knowing that they are in relationship with a truly mighty God. One who empowers those who partner with him on planet earth. One who grants courage and boldness in the face of every pressure there is to shut up about the Son of God, the Saviour of the world. And in the very next chapter, this is what we read. Yet more... Remember what they asked prayer for. They'll be able to keep proclaiming it. Yet more and more people believed, more did, and were brought to the Lord. Beautiful one to be brought to. Crowds, it says. This is the NLT version. Crowds of both men and women. Wow, great things. We are a church. I don't know if you've ever known this, but we are a church that believes that prayer is important and mighty. If you've never known it, know it this morning. That is what we believe. The slide up on there, it's, it's no make-believe one. It's a real one. The Bible shows it changes the history of lives. It changes the history of families, churches, communities, cities and nations. That's what the Bible shows, folks. And we believe it when we pray. It's mighty because through Jesus' redeeming sacrifice on the cross, we are praying to and partnering with a God who is sovereign over all, full of mercy and kindness, and has asked us to pray what? May your kingdom come. He's asked us to pray that. And when we pray kingdom come prayers that centre on God's kingdom and not our kingdom, folks, this is so important when we pray, not our kingdom, God's kingdom, let me assure you that you and we will see mighty, mighty works of the Holy Spirit. We've seen so much already, church. In the 30 years, we've seen God do amazing things already. But I've got something to tell you. 
there's a whole lot more that he's planning to do. I say a fraction about that in the video this week for those in the Bible study groups. He's got a whole lot more planned. And we are asking for that, as our senior pastor said last week, with Caleb-like faith. Did you know that? Not, not some wishy-washy thing. We, we, we have solid faith and the things that God has promised and said, and we are praying into them, for them, believing for them. Now, because prayer is the most important ministry in this church, as I finish, I want to invite you to add to the prayers of this community. So you ready? It's a response time. This won't take very long if you think it's another whole section of my sermon. It's not. We've come to the end. Breathe a sigh of relief. But don't go to sleep yet. We're praying. Don't go to sleep. It's prayer time. Yeah. Maybe you're someone who doesn't pray very much because you're actually not yet in the kingdom of God. You're not there yet. Maybe it's the first time you heard about the meta story of what God has done for humanity. Well, you could pray a prayer this morning and say, well, well, Lord, um, I want to be part of that kingdom. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to be right with you in relationship with you. I want to know what it is to partner with you in the things of this world. Wow, that, that would be a terrific prayer to pray this morning. If you're not yet in the kingdom, come in this morning. Pray that prayer. If you're a Christian this morning um, and prayer isn't a very regular part of your life, it's haphazard, spasmodic maybe, you don't pray much. Well, in Jesus' name, I want to invite you to put prayer in your life in a greater dimension than ever before. That's what I want to invite you into this morning to add to the prayers of this church. This is, we'll talk about some of these things in the groups this week too as well, about ways that people do that to help them to pray and stay regular in their prayers. Yeah. But if prayer isn't large, make it large, folks. Make it large in your life. It's not a chore to pray. It can be sometimes, I understand that. But to be in relationship with God is the most wonderful thing. It's amazing to share life with Him and pray. I have a word for men this morning. In particular, if, if prayer isn't part of your marriage, men, then you need to make it part of your marriage. From this, from this day on, actually. If, if, you, if you don't initiate prayer with your wife, you need to do that. that you will... It'll have incredible consequences in your family and your marriage. It'll be a blessing and a blessing to us, blessing to the church, blessing to the kingdom. Let me assure you, men, get this. You need to lead in prayer in your family. That's, that's the most important leading that you can do. So we need to pray. and Find a spot to do that. Find a way to do that. Put it in your family as well. People know that you value your relationship with God. You love, you love speaking with God. For every person here this morning, this is a responsibility that we can all play a part in, actually. I don't know if you're ever in a situation where someone shares a concern with you. What do you do? You, if you're a good Christian person, you'll probably say, well, I'll pray for you. I don't know. 
I hope you say that anyway. Yeah. The trouble is that sometimes when we say that, we, we don't actually do it. And then we feel guilty later because we said we we're going to pray and then we forgot to. Well, I've got a way to solve that. Here this morning, Revelation. What you do is when they share the concern with you, what you do is you say, well, I'd love to pray for you and I'd love to pray right now. Right, like right now. If you're on the phone, I'm just going to pray on the phone. If you're in the workplace and someone shares something about their family that's weighing them down, look, you just, you just say, well, let me pray for you and do it right then and there. No guilt. So it's good in that regard. Well, lessen the guilt. And then, and then it just fills your life with prayer. That's why I love outside here. After, after here, we're talking to people. Millions of needs get shared. We'll pray into them. That's how you fan prayer in a place. Pray that be so for you. For those who are involved in ministry anywhere in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you'll make sure you're praying regularly with others. Somehow or other, you've got some others around you that are helping you to pray. Don't you love it when you see our worship team? They pray before and then at the end of the thing, they're praying again. I thought they were just playing guitars and things. No, they're not. They're doing much, much more than that. They're praying into the kingdom. May your kingdom come into this church. I love that. that. That's what we're talking about. Prayer infusing every kingdom activity that we share in. I have a word for those who have been constantly prompted to join in a prayer meeting here at Bridgman. I think we've got 11. I thought it was 12, but it's 11, I think. But you've never, ever acted on that. You've often thought about being involved in a prayer meeting. Well, this morning... I'd love you to just say, okay, it's action Sunday for me. Action Sunday. I'm going to do something about that. If you've been prompted by the Holy Spirit, don't sort of let it slip by anymore. Kingdom action. Join a prayer meeting. Online one or one in person. Next Tuesday. Whoa. Next Tuesday, church. What an opportunity to pray together as... Pastor Nathan's already shared, come out to the outpouring night. We, we just got a sense that that's a really important night for us as a church. In this series where we've prayed, may your, you know, about may your kingdom come. It's an important night. Come join us. Fan prayer. Add to the prayers of this church. And this morning too, we're all going to pray. Did you know that? Now, don't get nervous if you're not a real regular prayer. We're going to pray because we're going to pray in a song. And the song we're going to sing is we just pronounce the name of Jesus over people that we love and care about. I weep sometimes when I sing this song. Did you know that? I weep because I think of people I've been praying for for decades who don't yet know Jesus. And I just, I long for them to come. And I pray this prayer with faith. that They'll come into the kingdom, be restored, be renewed. So we've all got a chance. We can pray in this song. The ones that you, they're in your heart. Pray for our community. Pray for our nation. Whatever it is that God puts in your heart as we pray there. And the last thing is this. If you're in a particular situation, um, a place or, a, or maybe a community where, where you need the empowering of the Holy Spirit, just to proclaim God's Word, to be involved in kingdom action, well, there's an opportunity just to be anointed this morning. Some of the pastors in our prayer to me will just be down the front. You come down this song. Um, this, is, this is what the apostles, they, they needed empowering, fresh empowering. And so that's what you do. That's why you do it. That's where it's found, in prayer. You come and get prayed for.
you're online, you send a, send a prayer request in. We're going to pray for you. We'll pray for you. We've got Carly running online. And she's a ripper of a prayer online. As I just want to let you know that. She's a beauty. Someone who's known about the sufferings of life. So are we ready? Are you ready? If you just need prayer this morning, fresh infusion, empowering the Spirit in a situation, you come. So are you ready? Let's just stand. We're going to pray. Lord, lead us now as we just finish this service, Lord. Walking out into the day ahead, the week ahead. But, oh, Lord, we go with you, Holy Spirit. Praise God. Jesus, open the way. What a relationship with a living God. And so, Lord, just lead us as a church. May we be a praying people, Lord. More than ever before, Lord, I pray. More than ever before. More than ever before. We'll pray much. We'll prevail in prayer. And may prayer truly be, Lord, the most important ministry of this church as we seek to honour the name of Jesus Christ above all names. We pray this in His name. In His name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing. Let's worship. Let's worship. Let's pray. Speak Jesus.
just to come be prayed for a need or God stirring something within you and you just know this morning there's a prompting to come uh, our prayer team and our pastors will be down the front here just to continue to pray for people our prayer lounge is up the back corner as well if you want somewhere uh, a little bit quieter up the back they're a bit more private you head to that prayer lounge as well but I just want to pray now for us let me do that Lord thank you this incredible gift of prayer, the power of prayer that we can come before you, the living God. Thank you for your nearness, Lord. Thank you for your presence so near this morning, Lord, the faith, uh, the heart of your people seeking after you. And so now, Lord, as we continue just to seek you in prayer, bless and make a way, Lord, we pray. Bring your healing touch, we ask. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Please feel free to continue to come forward for prayer. Uh, But God bless you. Thanks so much for sharing with us.